Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to learn how to create multi-generational wealth through commercial real estate investing. My guest in this episode is Paul Moore. After graduating with an engineering degree and then an MBA from Ohio State, Paul started on the management development track at Ford Motor Company in Detroit. After five years, he departed to start a staffing company with a partner, which uh, they sold to a publicly traded firm for $2.9 million five years later. Along the way, Paul was a finalist for Ernest & Young's Michigan Entrepreneur of the Year two years straight. Paul later entered the real estate sector, where he completed 85 real estate investments and exits, appeared on an HDTV special real estate episode, rehabbed and managed dozens of rental properties, developed a waterfront subdivision, and started two successful online real estate marketing firms. Three successful developments, including assisting with the development of a Hyatt Hotel and a multifamily housing project, led him into the multifamily investment arena. Paul also co-hosts a wealth building podcast called How to Lose Money and is a writer for Bigger Pockets. And of course, he's the author of the book of The Perfect Investment, Creating Enduring Wealth from the Historic Shift to multifamily housing, which was released in 2016. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you can uh, do so at cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form and or email me at info cashflowninja.com to start the discussion to see if you're a good fit for our group. And if you're living in the Philadelphia, Bucks County and Southern New Jersey area, we are hosting a live investors meetup event every month in Newtown, Pennsylvania. For more information on the monthly event and information on how to join us at our next live event, you can go to cashflowninja.com forward slash events. If you are like many of the listeners of the show, you're always looking for unique ways to protect and grow your hard-earned capital. But sometimes that's easier said than done. The key to investing late in the cycle is identifying favorable opportunities on a risk-adjusted basis. That's where our friends at ASIM Capital come in. Since 2011, ASIM has helped more than 300 accredited investors allocate more than $20 million to mobile home parks, cell storage, and workforce housing due to the ability to generate asymmetric returns while protecting their investors' portfolios. If you're interested in learning more, head over to asymcapital.com. That's A-S-Y-M-Capital.com to get instant access to their investment offerings. MC Lobshier, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cashflow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cashflow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's your own banking system.com.
Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, MC. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, always enjoy our conversations and always uh, enjoy connecting and speaking with you. Uh, Paul, for my uh, new listeners that's not familiar with you and what you do, uh, can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey? Yeah, well, I got an engineering degree out of high school, and that was my first mistake. I <laughs> didn't know that I didn't want to be, I didn't know anything about engineering. It just sounded cool, especially petroleum engineering, drilling oil wells. You know, you're from Pennsylvania, you know about that. Very cool. But uh, so I made up for that by getting an MBA. I went to Ford Motor Company for about five years, and I found myself constantly tinkering on the side with trying to start a new business. And so I guess I was an entrepreneur at heart. I finally, started a company with a friend and we actually ran that for five years. I was finalist for Michigan Entrepreneur of the Year twice. And then a publicly traded company uh, found us and they acquired our company in 1997. I found myself in my mid-30s thinking, I just, I've got the dream here. You know, I'm semi-retired and I'm going to be the best father, the best husband, the best uh, manager of this nonprofit I started. And you know what? I was basically miserable because I was this high energy type A driven entrepreneur with very little to do. And I actually will tell you that, you know, if, if you think that retiring or something like that in your mid thirties or even forties is a good goal, eh, I don't know. I would rethink that. But at any rate, I started flipping houses with a friend before flipping was a thing. We did uh, dozens and dozens of those homes, and that's how I got involved in real estate investing back around 2000. And then your real estate uh, career kind of progressed from there. So you started with flipping, and then you went into the multifamily space, correct? Yeah, we went from flipping houses to flipping lots to building houses. We did a subdivision. We did a multifamily ground up. We owned, built, owned, and operated. We did a Hyatt Hotel. And then I jumped back into a little safer arena of class B value add multifamily syndication. Uh, we found that it was the, the market is really, really hot. It's overheated, has been for years. So we recently expanded into self storage and mobile home parks as well. So you'd mentioned their hotels too, and that caught my attention for a second. So that's the Pritzkers, right? Is that the Pritzker family? Yeah, with the Pritzker family. Yeah, you know, the, I don't know if you Chicago. I don't know if you know how it got named. Yeah, the guy was the Pritzker guy, I believe it was, was on his way to lunch back in the fifties, I think, and he he was trying, he was racking his brain trying to think of a name for his new hotel, which became a chain, and he was meeting a guy for lunch named Hyatt. And he thought that was a good name. So that's what he used. Very, very interesting. Uh, let's touch on your investment philosophy and your philosophical approach to building wealth a little bit. Is there a framework or a checklist that you use in making decisions uh, that basically transcends asset classes just from a general standpoint? Yeah, well, first of all, our first goal is to understand the difference between speculating and investing. You know, investing MC, I think we talked about it before, is when, you're, uh, when your principal is safe and you've got a chance to make a return. But speculating is when your principal is not at all safe and you have a chance to make a return. And I didn't know the difference in my 30s and even into my 40s. And so I made a lot of mistakes. I called myself an investor. I was really gambling. And um, I think it's really important that people understand the difference. Real estate is inherently more 
of an investment type thing because you're investing in something hard with a real value as long as you're not over leveraged. And so that's one of our principles. We try to not over, we don't over leverage ourselves, and we look for asset operators, you know, people to partner with to invest in that are also not over leveraging. Our big goal, so when we expanded in from multifamily only into self-storage and mobile home parks, we decided that even though we knew how to do it on paper, we hadn't really done it. We didn't have a team of people who had been investing in these assets and operating these assets for years or decades. So when we started our funds, we decided we're going to find the very best in class operators we can who might need a little extra or a lot of extra equity to grow their companies. And that's what we've done. We're looking to diversify geographically among asset classes, among sponsors and assets. And we're looking for sponsors who have great track records, who've lived or even thrived through one or more recessions, who have a great internal team, great accounting, great communication. And they've got, like I said, the track record to prove that, you know, that they can do this and they can do it well. So if, it's, if someone's listening to this interview and they said, I might reach out to Paul and just let him know what I've done and, and, and so forth, what would, that, what would that look like? They would include some of their past deals and, and, and maybe some commentary and so forth and then walk through some of their current projects with you? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty selective and we, we generally have, we, we're, we take months to evaluate an operator, but they're going to have to have a great track record over many, many years or hopefully decades, an internal team that's been intact for quite a while. And just, you know, again, a great track record. But yeah, people could do that if they're in the multifam- large multifamily, mobile home park or self-storage space. So you've touched on things getting hot in multifamily because it's a, you're a multifamily investor that's not really that into multifamily right now. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on your view just on the economy, markets, where we are in the asset cycle, and yeah. then some of the opportunities that you see as well? Yeah, well, I've given up trying to predict when the market's going to turn. I just want to act appropriately for where we are in the cycle right now. Clearly, we're in a place where there are record high prices in pretty much every asset class. Now, the reason, I mean, I wrote a book that's fairly popular on multifamily investing. It's called The Perfect Investment. And people are surprised. They read the book. They excitedly reach out to me and say, I want to invest in multifamily. I hate, and I say, of course, I hate to disappoint you, but right now is not the best time to find deals. There is a difference between multifamily and the other two asset classes we're investing in. I'll tell you, first of all, multifamily is overheated for a lot of reasons. And here's some of the ones I've identified. Number one, there's a lot of international investors coming in. You know, multifamily is hot. People are excited about investing in apartments. The demographic trends uh, over the next several decades look really favorable for multifamily. If I had to pick one asset class I was going to invest in for the next 100 years, if I had to put in a million dollars and leave it for 100 years, it would definitely be in multifamily. The problem is there's international investors coming in for one thing, and some of them would even say, and I've got, this is a direct quote. Somebody said, if I could just get my money out of the Chinese currency into U.S. dollars, I would accept a zero cap rate, a zero return just to get the money out 
of you know the Chinese RMB, however you say it, yeah. RMB, and into the U.S. dollar. And so um, that's pretty hard to compete with. How can we compete with people who are willing to accept a zero return? Another big change is institutional investors. They're coming in from large assets. They're coming in from stable assets. They're coming in from the coasts to the center of the U.S. And so places like Omaha and Lexington and Kansas City, which you know typically didn't have to compete as much with institutional investors, now we are. And smaller assets, and you know, older assets—they're—they're—they're, they're, they're, you know, they're looking harder and harder into these more difficult asset classes, you know, within multifamily, these different types of multifamily, I should say. Uh, another one is um, IRA investors. There's more self-directed IRA money coming in than ever before, and I'm really glad for that. But for some reason, IRA investors sometimes don't seem quite as critical with their IRA money as they do with regular, so-called regular cash. And so they sometimes overpay a little more. So do 1031 exchange investors. There's a record amount of 1031 exchanges, which means people are transferring out of profitable sales and they're looking for another asset to buy and they would perhaps pay 15% more than an asset is worth just to avoid paying 15 or 20% to Uncle Sam and their state government. So, um, these are some of the reasons multifamily is overheated. There's also gurus who are telling people, go ahead and overpay. It's okay. It's different this time. And you know what? I don't believe it's different this time. History has told us that that's just not true. And Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, the great investors of our times would say, don't fall for that line. It never is true. Now, the reason self-storage and mobile home parks are different is they're a highly fragmented market. Um, while 93% of multifamily over 50 units are owned by corporations, um, about 70% of self-storage and perhaps upwards of 90% of mobile home parks are owned by mom and pops or individual investors, which means a whole lot of them, and I mean tens of thousands of them, are potentially not maximizing their income, they don't know how to do marketing or they don't care to. They've got a cash cow they've had for 20 years. It's paid off. And you can acquire these assets and increase the income pretty dramatically. And if we have time, I'll tell you a few ways you can increase income in some of these assets. And so with multifamily, it, again, it's just a more mature market. Self-storage and mobile home parks, you can find great deals in the path of progress. And we're working with operators who are doing that now. Yeah, I'd be interested in that too, from a value add standpoint, how to increase the value and how to increase the cash flow in those two assets. Um, if you don't mind going into that a little bit. Yeah, so one thing I love about commercial real estate MC is that, you know, residential real estate is based on comps. So if you are Chip and Joanna Gaines Jr. and you can take a half a million dollar house and add another 400,000 and, you know, finishing the basement, the attic and building on and adding everything possible to it, you know, adding your Viking stove and all that, you know, you've got a million dollar house now, but if you're in a half a million dollar neighborhood, everybody knows you're probably not going to get that million dollars out of that house. Residential real estate's based on comps. Commercial real estate is based on a value formula. that's completely different. And it goes like this, the value of commercial real estate is the net operating income divided by the cap rate. 
Now, the cap rate or the capitalization rate, of course, is the rate of return that investors generally expect on that type of asset in that market at that time. And it used to be about 8 to 10%. And now the cap rates are running more like 4 to 7%. That's just kind of the new norm, or at least it is in this period of time that we're in. And so, again, the value is the income divided by the rate of return. So, if you can increase the numerator, which is the income, or decrease the denominator, which is the cap rate, and that's a little harder, but you can, you can dramatically, especially when you use leverage, dramatically increase the return on equity. Um, quick example, um, let's say you had a dollar. I mean, I've got an operator out of California who's been doing this for almost 40 years. And he says, I'm just going around to these mobile home parks and self-storage units looking to pick up dollars on the ground. I said, okay, what does that mean? He said, well, if I can increase the income $1, remember our formula, value is income divided by cap rate. If I can increase the income $1 per month, that's $12 a year, take that income, divide by the cap rate, and that's 0.06, 6% in this case, $12 by 6%, that's a $200 increase in value of the asset from $1 increase in monthly income. But it's better than that because if you use leverage, there's a multiplier effect and that that $200 increase in asset value has the effect of more like, say, $500 increase in equity value because if you're 60% leverage, you divide by 0.4% and that's how you get the 2.5x multiple. And so, it's pretty powerful. One quick example is a mobile home park and I'm rounding the numbers to make it simple, but we just invested in a mobile home park and let's say the purchase price was 5 million even. 3 million in debt, that's 60%. 2 million in equity, 2 million in investor dollars in it. Now they went in and they said, hey, look, there's, there's a lot of extra boats and RVs and work trailers and uh, you know a third or fourth or fifth or sixth car sitting in front of the trailer. Let's get these out of here. So they paved an acre uh, in the, of weeds over. They put a beautiful fence and gate and they said, okay, if you've got one of these extra items, you've got to put it inside this paved gated area. And we're going to charge you for that. Now, when that's filled up with the mobile home park folks stuff, they're going to open it up to the community and say, hey, boat or RV storage here. And they're going to be able to rent this area out for a total of $10,000 a month. Well, that's $120,000 a year. They only spent $100,000 doing it. So first of all, that's 120% annual ROI, but it's better than that. Because you take the 120000 using our value formula, 120000 in income divided by 6% cap rate, 0.06, that's a $2 million increase in asset value from this one change. So their $5 million asset just went up by 40% to $7 million. But think about this, to the equity investors, they only had $2 million cash in, their equity just went from $2 million value to $4 million value all from this one change. And there's another dozen changes that this mobile home park operator can implement to increase value. It's very powerful. And these are the kind of levers you can pull when you're a commercial real estate owner operator. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite Im- incredible. And I appreciate those examples as well. These two have been, uh, asset classes too have been talked about recession proof. And we know, you know, we're not 
prognosticators and soothsayers and, and Nostradamus wannabe. But this is something that for the next, you know, five to 10 years, you know, that uh, from, a, from, a, from a downturn or from a possible correction could be a phenomenal performing asset. What is, what is the track record of, of these been and how are you looking at this uh, fitting into this overall picture that I just described? Yeah. So during the last recession, um, you know, I mean, think about it. Mobile home parks, mobile homes are kind of the bottom of the barrel because, I mean, people, you know, if they move down from a house, they often rent a house. If they move down from a rental house, they might go down to a rental apartment. If they go down from an apartment, they might go to a mobile home. Where else are they going to go? And so mobile home parks did very, very well during the last recession. And the tenants are sticky. I mean, think about it. If I come in and buy a mobile home park and I'm charging you $300 a month for your lot rent, if I raise it by 10%, which is kind of outrageously high uh, by most standards, if I raise it to 330, are you going to spend $5,000 to pick up that mobile home and move it down the street to save $30 a month? You probably won't. If it's a double wide, it'd be like $11,000 to move it down the street. You probably won't do that. Now, again, mobile home park operators that we work with are not going to jack up the price to hurt the people. They're just going to try to get it up to the market level. You know, a lot of mom and pop operators are way behind in that area. Self-storage is similar. Think about it. When people are in a bad economy, they're downsizing from a 4,000 to a 2,000 square foot home or down from a two to an apartment. And they're going up for a small amount of money, relatively, they can store their stuff in a self-storage unit. Now, if I raise your rent on an apartment that's I'm charging you a thousand bucks, if I raise it by six percent to a thousand sixty, you might move to save that seven hundred twenty dollars a year, especially since you know you'll be there at least a year or maybe several years. But if I'm charging you a hundred dollars a month MC on your self storage unit, I raise it by six percent. You're probably not going to take a Saturday, rent a U-Haul, get your friends uh, to move your junk, I mean your treasure, excuse me, down the street to save six bucks a month, especially when your impression is, I'm only going to be there a few months anyway. So self-storage tenants are really sticky. They stay around in bad times. And think about it, in good times, they need a place to store all the extra stuff they're buying when they fill up their Amazon or Walmart cart. These are great recession-resistant businesses. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. Dave and his team at The Real Asset Investor have syndicated many successful real estate and ATM projects over the last decade. Now his team has an exclusive opportunity for investors in the coal space. Do you want to be part of an energy project that takes conventional coal and cleans it up by extracting liquids while releasing almost zero emissions? The sale of these liquids can produce strong double-digit cash flow and aggressive tax benefits against ordinary income 
all while using America's number one most plentiful resource in a responsible, efficient manner. Now that's non-conventional. For more information on this exclusive opportunity, you can visit therealassetinvestor.com or contact the Real Asset Investor team at info at therealassetinvestor.com. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Yeah, I was just thinking when you're saying that we are we we don't even know how blessed we are that we're living in a country yeah. that's seen several I mean just spikes in the cell storage, right? Like this as yeah. a cell storage boom. Yeah. There's so much stuff we need another place to put more stuff. Right. So yeah. true. It's Absolutely. Blessing. Risk management in uh from this. What are some of the potential risks uh, risks that you see out there um, and how, what are some of the strategies to manage them in these two asset classes? And so one thing, you know, that's really uh, honestly a little scary about self-storage is that it's not that hard to build. We're talking concrete, sheet metal, rivets, and um, it's not incredibly hard to get it approved in most locations. So you've got to be really, really careful that you're not building or buying in an oversaturated market. Everybody knows self-storage has just gone up all over the place in the last 10 or 15 years. And so that's the major risk. The major risk is getting it filled up. And so that's why but like buying existing cash flowing self-storage when possible or investing in a ground up deal only when it's very, very insulated from other competition. We're investing in one right now in Minneapolis area that's actually the zoning changed and there's no more self-storage allowed in that municipality except in um, industrial parks. So that's a great opportunity. There's no more self-storage right around this. So that's the kind of thing we're looking for. Mobile home parks have built-in risk management because guess what? There's less mobile home parks every year than there were the year before. They're going away little by little, and the demand is continuing to rise. It's the only asset class I know where the demand is stable or rising, and the uh, supply is going away every year. And the few that are built nationwide every year are usually out in the sticks in places you wouldn't want to invest anyway. So MC, it's got its own built-in risk management. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. You know, that's what, what's the saying, the whole not in my backyard too. Yes, that's so right. It's not like a lot of cities are going, oh, we're going to zone, you know, some more mobile home parks. Um, right. Chosen the fund model for your uh, company. Uh, can you speak to some of the benefits and of the fund model? And then uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about diversification too that this offers. Okay, great. 
So the tax advantages in commercial real estate are amazing. You know, love him or hate him. We've got a real estate investor in the White House and uh, the tax advantage, the tax advantages we see as commercial real estate investors. This is one of the reasons most of the Forbes 400 wealthiest perpetuate their wealth by investing in commercial real estate. And so the tax savings are, are great and they're great for people who invest directly in the real estate, not in a company. Uh, you know, who invests in real estate. So if you're getting a 1099 from a REIT or a company that's investing in real estate, probably not where you want to be. But if you are getting a K-1 as a direct investor, that is a place where you're going to get all this depreciation, all these other amazing tax benefits. And so one benefit of the fund is they get the pass-through deductions, the pass-through tax savings of a direct owner of uh, commercial real estate. Another advantage, like you said, is diversification. We're diversifying across, as I mentioned earlier, geographies, uh, operators, asset classes, and specific assets. So it's providing a great diversification. It's allowing people with one fifty thousand or whatever dollar investment to spread across, say, twenty or more assets in our fund. And so these are some of the reasons we did this. Like I said. Nobody can be an expert in anything, and so we could not be an expert in all these different asset classes, but we can partner with operators who are. Uh, you are a lifelong learner, Paul, um, and that's always of interest to me is what folks are studying and learning. What are you studying right now? What are some of the things that you're learning, and is there anything interesting that you've read this year? Uh, So I always talk about the book, The One Thing. I've been reading it on and off over and over for several years, and I'm always trying to stay involved with that. The One Thing organization, podcast, et cetera, from Gary Keller uh, and Jeff Woods. It's always been of great interest to me. I really like that. Uh, I'm also, I just read, I think we might've talked about it before. I'm reading the book uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. Mm -hmm. I'm reading Mastering Market Cycles by Howard Marks. Really enjoying that. And so these are some of the things I'm working on right now. I'm thinking about diving back into the whole world of click funnels. And you and I had a brief discussion before this about, you know, the concept of, you know, getting our social media and articles and videos and things blasted out there. And I'm thinking about diving back into that. I'm investigating that again right now. I I was into that like 10 years ago, but I'm trying to look at the latest and greatest on click funnels. Yeah, there's so much to learn there and so much uh, so much going on there. Another uh, question I had too is, is also who you're studying. Are there still particular people out there that you're studying and trying to learn more and folks that you admire and respect and, and uh, learning from? Well, I started writing articles with a couple other guys in Bigger Pockets about Warren Buffett. And we took his investing principles in equities and we applied them to real estate. In other words, we took the same quotes, the same concepts, and we said, if he was investing in an apartment or any other type of real estate, what would he say? And we kind of put words in his mouth, but we said, okay, he'd probably say this. And here's the concept applied to you, Mr. Real Estate Investor. And we've written about 10 articles And I'm really hoping to turn these articles when I get 20 or 30 of them into a book uh, because I have learned so much from Buffett's stuff, you know, brilliant guy. And then other folks, like I mentioned, Ray Dalio, 
Howard Marks, they are up there with him. And, and again, they're, it's, you know, they're, they're often talking about doing what the crowd is, you know, going against the crowd. You know, when everybody's overly excited about a certain asset, that's a good time to sell. And we know this, but it's so hard to do in real practice. And I'm trying to learn from them how to do that. Yeah, that's very interesting. And like you were just saying, you know, this is the funny thing that I've come to realize too. If everyone's doing A and you do B, or just do the complete opposite of what they're doing at that time, your chances of success is, if you look at the probability and if we have to get into statistics, it's kind of crazy just to see if you go against the grain or against what the herd is doing, the chances of success is just so much greater. Right. Yeah. Howard Marks talks in his book about catching a falling knife. And, you know, he was buying half a, no, wait, was it half a billion or I think it was half a billion dollars a week worth of financial equities when the market was crashing in those 15 weeks of the Great Recession. Did you know the Great Recession actually only lasted like 15 weeks at its core from September to December of 2008? That's when the market was really taking a hit. Mm-hmm. And he was buying a lot all that time. And a reporter said, wait, you mean you're selling, right? She, he said, no, we're buying. If not now, when? And um, he had to convince a lot of fund managers, pension managers, et cetera, who were on his, you know, investing with him that this was the time to buy. He did it and he made an enormous amount of money. Oh, yeah. I, I was just thinking too, like those, those folks, absolutely. There's uh, use a couple more zeros than, <laughs> than yeah. a lot of other folks, right? Um, right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and studying these folks, I mean, there's so many different things that you pick up. Um, and looking at their commentary of the lost of the lost financial crisis, what are some of the biggest lessons I think that 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 you've learned that you're uh, applying into your own life in preparing for something like this again to happen again? Yeah, well, I mean, I think one thing is that we, like you said, I think we've already kind of hit this, and that is that uh, I don't want to follow new ruse advice. Now, new ruse is a term I'm trying to coin. It's not catching on yet on bigger pockets. And that's new gurus. That's people who weren't even investing in commercial real estate during the last recession. But now they're telling us it's okay to overpay. I was actually at a conference in December and unexpectedly, not on the agenda, one of the most famous multifamily syndicators in America walked out on stage and he said, among other things, he, he had some great things to say, super wealthy, super successful, but he said, hey, it's okay to overpay in multifamily. Just go ahead and get in the game. Whatever you have to spend, it's okay. And I thought there was a punchline coming. I thought he was kidding. He was serious. And he's actually become kind of famous for this line that that's been quoted uh, all over the internet now. And, you know, I got to wonder if the people who are following him are going to be sorry at some point, I wish him the best, but honestly there he's flying right in the face of Buffett, Howard Marks and other great historic investors. So um, I'm, I'm real concerned that a lot of people are following that advice and a lot of people could get burned. I don't think we're going to have another, crash like 2008 but 
even if we have a mild downturn, you know, some of these people are going to potentially be in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. There's well, there's a story about someone that flew too close to the sun. There is. And their wing and yeah, his wings melted off. But uh, no, I appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you sharing your knowledge. And as always, Paul, providing so much value for my listeners. Where can they reach out to you? Where can they follow you? You're very active on bigger pockets. That's one area right there. Right. And where can they uh, touch base with you guys and reach out? Okay, they can come to our website, which is wellingscapital.com. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S, capital C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Or they can, uh, like you said, find us on Bigger Pockets. I've also got a podcast, and we were honored to have you as our guest twice. And the podcast is a wealth-building podcast called How to Lose Money. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, I would definitely recommend checking it out to you guys. Do a phenomenal job with that show. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, MC. It was a real honor to be here. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.